I'm Steve Thompson, and today we read John chapter 5, verses 16 through 30. But before I jump right into it, let me just recap what happened yesterday. A man who had been sick for 38 years was out of the blue asked by Jesus, Would you like to be well? To which the man responded, probably incredulously, or like is happening in my mind, in the sound of like a 15-year-old girl maybe, uh, yeah, that's why I'm here at this pool waiting to get healed. Um, so maybe I'm probably just filling that in. But Jesus told this man to stand up, pick up his mat, and walk. All of which, presumably, he could not have done only moments before. The problem with this healing was that it was done on the Sabbath, a holy day set aside for rest. And rest, the way the traditions had built up around the original law of Moses, had been defined pretty strictly. So not only was the man violating these traditions by carrying a mat anywhere, but the guy who told him it was okay was going to be in deep trouble. And so the man tattled on Jesus, and that brings us to this next confrontation. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he's given the Son absolute authority to judge so that everyone will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, My judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. So Jesus was 
here not going to settle for a minimalist answer to the accusation and question of these religious leaders. He took the gloves off and said, Sit down, fellas. This is going to take a few minutes and a lot of your brain cells for you to wrap your mind around what I'm about to say. I'm going to lay out what this means far and above your assumption that I'm just claiming to be on the same plane as God himself. God has granted me every power and privilege he has and has set me up on his judgment seat. You aren't just fighting some wise guy from Nazareth who can tell a pretty good story and perform a few miracles. I'm warning you that you are fighting against God himself. The one you claim to know, love, and worship, that God, is me. And you guys are on desperately shaky ground here. Both Jesus and and the early followers of Jesus who had embraced the fullness of who Jesus claimed to be were knowingly putting themselves right out in the middle of oncoming traffic in order to head upstream. This was and always has been dangerous. And so I guess I just want us to come to a fresh look or insight or understanding of Jesus as the ultimate being, all the while looking very ordinary and very human. Trust me, God full well wanted us to understand just how near he's come and just how close we are invited into him. And yet, he doesn't want us to lose sight of just how dangerous and costly that could be. Not in a harmful way necessarily, unless we just decide to play around with the idea of Jesus, but in a way that would prove ultimately transforming and life-giving and impossibly true and good. I mean, does it sound like I'm trying to say two def- different things, have my cake and eat it too? Let me, let me borrow the words of C.S. Lewis from the Chronicles of Narnia. In the first book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Susan and Lucy, if you're familiar with the characters, uh, ask Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, yes, there are talking animals in this book, to tell them about Aslan, the lion who in the story is the Christ-like figure, is very much like Jesus. And they ask if Aslan is a man, and this is what Mr. Beaver replies. I'm not going to do the accents, by the way. Aslan a man? Certainly not. I tell you, he's the king of the woods and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion. The lion. The great lion. Oh, said Susan. I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and make no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Uh, I'm probably stupid in our day. Back to the quoting. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver is telling you? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. 
You see, one can't just play around with Jesus. Our faith is completely unfounded on this illusion. If we feel like we can have life with Jesus, just add it on to what we've already got. He is everything, and he wants everything. He wants all of us, not just part of us. And I find it fascinating that here in John, we find a concept echoed in other parts of the New Testament, including in Paul's letters, that judgment is not mutually exclusive to being saved and rescued by grace. Yes, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, to quote Paul in Romans. And yes, the first and most important step of faith we must take is to believe and believe in Jesus, as John has been saying throughout this book, this biography of Jesus. But there is always going to be a weighing of what we do with our decisions and resources and lives here on earth after we've thrown our lot in with Jesus. There will be a weighing of a judging of all of our actions and decisions. I don't think this is something we need to fear or be eternally insecure about, not by any stretch. But at the same time, we're not messing around with some domesticated house cat in Jesus. We've got a wild lion on our hands who demands that we understand and respect his power and desire for everything good and perfect and holy. And he invites us to enter into his life and mission that is equally as potentially dangerous, not just entering, asking him to enter ours. Again, quoting C.S. Lewis, who is, I think, musing on these passages in John, and he says this in his book, Mere Christianity. In the mouth of any speaker who is not God, these words would imply what I can only regard as a silliness and conceit unrivaled by any character in history. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. And I'd like to add, in my own words, that the option one is not left with is any kind of patronizing approach that sees Jesus as merely a good teacher or a prophet or a great man. Nor could he be just another part of our lives. It's all or nothing in the face of this man claiming to be God and inviting us to follow his lead. I can't speak enough words, and I'm definitely not eloquent enough to convey the weight of this even remotely closely. But I feel like Jesus wants to show us his glory today or to just feel the weight of his glory today. I feel like he wants us to take in this passage and hear his voice again roaring across time to say, I love you. Just don't take me lightly. I'm bigger than life. And I'm inviting you into mine. So I'm just going to sign off with this simple prayer and 
invite all of us to take a moment to allow Jesus to respond to us. Jesus, allow us to catch a glimpse of your glory right now so that we can live our lives in a way that reflects how truly awesome and overwhelming you are, Lord and God. Speak to us. Amen.